You can be seated. What a great God we serve. I'm so glad I know the Lord. I remember what it was like. Uh, I don't want to forget what it was like to not know the Lord. Amen. Welcome you here this morning. I'm glad you're here. God's given us a beautiful day. We're having dinner on the grounds. So we're not going to have prayer tonight. But while we're here, while we're in the house of God, I just know that uh, Dee and I were talking about this last night. Sometimes I'll just think, what, what is it really, I'm being very honest with y'all, what is it really accomplishing? All that we're doing, y'all, all I do is study and pray. I ask my family, that's all I do, and work in the yard. Uh, I study and I pray. And I feel like that's the calling of God upon my life. I don't feel like I'm being lazy or anything like that. I feel like that's what I'm called to do. And... And then the Lord gives me sermons and words that are every bit as much or maybe more for me than they, you know, than they are for y'all. At least as much, let's put it that way. But if we're not going to lay hold on it and really be transformed and changed by the Word of God, then it's really kind of all for naught. Not that, not that we're not saved, but God is wanting to move us on. And that's really what this, this message is about today. And I believe that the Lord is doing that. You know, it's just like watching those that have children or have had children, you know, when they were small, and, and you watch them grow, and you can't really perceive the growth day by day or hour by hour. It's happening. Obviously, it's happening. But you notice it, you know, you haven't seen, like, some, haven't seen someone's children, infants or what, whatever, in a week or a couple of months or something. Then you see them, you say, wow, they, they've really grown up. I haven't seen them since last summer or whatever, and look how they've grown. Uh, God is aware of that because when we're sleeping, He's still working in us to do the will of His, uh, willing to do of His good pleasure, and He is making us more like His Son Jesus Christ. So I believe by faith He's doing that, but I also believe there's a very important role that we play in this, and one of those is cooperation with the Lord. The Word talks about obeying the Lord. What what's the revealed will of God? The Word of God talks about yielding to the Lord. When I have a preference or, or God's Word says this, but I want to do this, we yield. That's taking up our cross daily and following the Lord. That's dying to myself and living unto God. And that's ever increasing. It's ever increasing. Submitting to the Lord. Yielding to the Lord. And studying to show ourselves approved. Praying without ceasing. It's not a bunch of works that just wear us out. It's part of this new life in Christ. We're walking with the Lord. We know Him. And I'm not doing those things to be saved. I'm doing those things because I am saved. And God's working in my life. And it's a new life. It's not like the life I had before. It's a life in Christ. That life is totally different than the life I had before. In fact, compared to the two, the life I had before was dead in sins and trespasses compared to the life we have in Christ. And so I just encourage you, take advantage. I can't stress it enough. Whether it's a Sunday school lesson like we had this morning, uh, the kids upstairs, if you're preparing to teach the kids, at prayer meeting, every, every opportunity, take advantage to look, like really focus in on, lay hold on the Word of God, what God is bringing you, the Word that He's feeding you, the message that He's bringing. It's not just to go out to, to thin air and dissipate out there somewhere. It's to lay hold. You know, Samuel said in the Word of God, he was a little boy. And he began to learn and recognize the voice of the Lord. We all know the story. It says that Samuel uh, didn't, did not let any of God's words fall to the ground. That's probably one reason God could use him so greatly. 
as a prophet and a priest of Israel. He didn't let God's Word fall to the ground. It was like he, he soaked it all up. He gathered it all up. He didn't let some fall by the wayside. And, oh, well, kind of into it now, and I'll listen right here. He let, he let it fall on good soil. It's the same thing the parable of the seed and the sower. The only one that brought forth fruit had the types of soil, four different types of soil in that parable. The Word was good every time. The seed was good every time. It's the Word of God. And the sower was good. It's, it's the Son of God. But it only brought fruit in one of the soils. And it was the one that really laid hold on it. And I just encourage you to that. I can't encourage you enough. Don't just say, all right, this is the dinner on the grounds day. Or this is a BBS Sunday kit, you know, day. Every day is when God is wanting to speak to us. He could rapture us before we're through today. You know what I'm saying? So take advantage of every moment to, to grow. If it's your own prayer time, you wake up on Monday morning. Take that time. Don't rush it. Get up a little earlier if you have to. You know what I mean? Open the Word of God and expect God to speak to you. And if it's puzzling or a little hard or difficult passage, don't get bitter or angry. Just say, Lord, give me understanding. I'm going to go on about my day. I'm going to trust you. And, and God's going to do that. So I, that's just, I just want to encourage you with that. So if you would, open your Bibles with me to Deuteron Deuteronomy chapter 6. And let's read 20 through 23. It goes right along with what I was just speaking about. And when thy son asked thee in time to come, saying, What mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments with the Lord, which the Lord our God hath commanded you? So what's happening here is, is Israel's about to go in the promised land. Okay? And all these laws and statutes and commandments have already been given to them earlier. And now they wandered in the wilderness for so long, they're about to actually go and possess the land. And the same instructions and admonitions and commands from the Lord are being restated to them. It's redundant. It's repetitive. But God wants them to get it. He said, there's going to come a time where your children are asking, what, are, what is all this? What are these statues? What's the, the tabernacle? What are these sacrifices of animals? Why do we do these things? Then thou shalt say unto thy son, we were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt. And the Lord brought us, brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Amen? And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and sore, upon Egypt and Pharaoh and upon all the household before our eyes. So uh, we were bondmen. And the Lord brought us out with a mighty hand. Verse 22. And the Lord showed signs and wonders. And then verse 23. And He brought us out from thence that He might bring us in to give us the land which He sware unto our fathers. Now, we were... And this is the gospel message. It's really coming uh, through this, this history of Israel. We were Pharaoh's bondmen. I want you to tell your children in times the past when you're, you know, when you're doing these sacrifices, when you're keeping the feast of the tabernacle, when you're uh, abstaining from worshiping idols, when you're you know, doing these different things that the Lord's commanded. Uh, you tell your children, your grandchildren, we were Pharaoh's bondmen. And the Lord brought us out with a mighty hand. You tell them what God did for you. I'll never forget, I know I've said it, Clinton used to say all the time, you better tell people what God's done for you or there will come a day you don't believe it yourself. And when you really think about that, that's true. You think, think when's the last time you witnessed to somebody? When's the last time that you shared the gospel with somebody? When's the last time that you really told people um, what God has done for your life? How He's a mighty God? How He's a deliverer? 
When's the last time you shared that with somebody? I remember when William was born. You all might get sick of hearing some of these stories, but he's born with a hole in his heart about the size of a quarter. For a little baby, that's a pretty big hole, okay? And the doctor kept him over, and we had to see a cardiologist uh, specialist, pediatric cardiologist from New Orleans, and um, just different things. We, we called everybody we knew it and asked them to be praying. We were Christians at the time. We called family and friends and people we knew across the country that were believers and said, would you believe with us that our son will be healed? The doctor said, well, there's nothing I can do about it. We'll just monitor it and we'll check it. And he probably will never play sports or do anything athletic like that. And, and uh, you know, we don't know if it'll ever close or anything like that. And so we were scheduled to go back and see the doctor two months later. And um, so we're praying in the specific scripture that God gave us was in Ephesians 3 about that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. That's the power of the Lord, the power of His Spirit. And He's a mighty God. So, I don't know, He gave us that Scripture. We prayed it. We prayed it with others. They prayed it. Two months later, we go back uh, to the old woman's hospital there. And, uh, and the, the cardiologist was there. And he pulls up and took another x-ray that day. He took one the day when he was born, or the day after. And he puts up the original x-ray, and then he puts the one up for two months later. And he's scratching his head, and he's looking at the x-rays, and he's scratching his head. And he says, I don't understand it. It's gone. The hole's gone. And we're just like, we understand it. You know, the Lord did that. And William played sports, and he grew, and everything else. And we all have testimonies. But God is telling these Israelites, you tell your children, we were bondmen in Egypt. Bondmen is a slave. That's what we were. We were slaves in Egypt. And the Lord brought us out how? With a mighty hand. Great signs and wonders. Mighty and sore. Read about them in Exodus. It, like Dee always says, that Old Testament's not boring. It's like a movie. You know, it's like a mini-series or whatever. It's very exciting. And he says in verse 23, this is our focus of today. He brought us out that he might bring us in. He brought us out for the purpose of or for the reason that he might bring us in. Now the Lord chose Israel to be his peculiar people. The, the Israelites were a chosen people. He just set his love upon them. He called them the apple of his eye. And he chose them, if you read the word of God, simply because he chose them, it says. He loved them because he loved them. He loves all men, but he has special purpose for this people, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay, He made a nation from them. And they were a peculiar treasure unto him. But he also had a possession for them. He had a place for them. And it wasn't in slavery in Egypt. Okay? And then there's a lot of tight, a lot of like pictures that we can see with the church. Uh, Israel's Israel and the church is the church. I'm not saying trying to get that confused. But in like manner, the Lord chose the believer in Christ to be a peculiar people unto him, right? Zealous of good works, a peculiar people, royal nation, holy priesthood, right? Chosen generation. And he's chosen us to be lights and salt and light to the world. The inhabitants of the Lord, his church body with him being the head, him living through his living epistles and living stones, right? Known and read of men. And, and he's chosen us to be his possession, but he also has chosen us to have a possession or an inheritance that's in Christ. And so I want to kind of correlate those two. Let's read one more passage. Turn back to Exodus chapter 3. Now here's Moses 
He had been in Egypt for 40 years, grew up there, and he grew up as in Pharaoh's daughter's house, basically, and would have been in line for that, uh, that life of royalty. And he chose to suffer with God's people. So he's in the desert at this time. He fled from Egypt, and he's tended sheep in the desert. And God speaks to him in a burning bush. And just for our purposes today, we're going to read 6 through 8. So the Lord comes and says, Moreover, I, have, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of the land unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. And he goes on to talk about the different people that are there, that they're going to take their land. And so there's a couple of things here I want you to notice in the passage that we read. The Lord says, I've seen their affliction. All right, we saying he knows my name. He sees, sees each tear that falls. That is absolutely true. The Lord's in heaven. Okay, he's all over. He's omnipresent. But he's, he, he says, I've seen the affliction of my people. I've heard their cries. I know their great sorrows. I have come down to deliver them. It's all the Lord. I've seen and I've come to help. And I'm going to deliver them. I'm going to use Moses. I'm going to use you as my deliverer. But I've come down to deliver my people. And he says, I've come to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which was for them a land of bondage, right? And servitude and slavery. I've come to bring them clean out of there. And to bring them unto, he says, into a good land. Into a good land. Good means good. I looked it up and I want to see what does good really mean. Okay? Good means joyful, bountiful, fine, favor, wealth, pleasant, best. So the Lord says, I'm bringing them out of Egypt. And I want to bring them into a pleasant land. The best land. This is in God's thoughts and His purposes. Alright? is what he's, he's desiring to do. It's the same word good that's used in the first chapter of the Bible, the sixth day of creation when God had finished everything and He says He looked at everything and behold, it was good. It was very good, He says. It was good. It was pleasant. It was best when God finished it. It wasn't evolving to become best. I say that all the time. When God finished it, it was good. It was pleasant. It was best. And so, it's the same word. Now, what the Lord has for us in Christ Jesus as the believer is good. It's good what He has for us. And it is pleasant. And He wants to bring us into something in Jesus that's pleasant. He says, for you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Can I tell you there's not a better place to be? You're dead and your life is hid with Christ. Well, I want to be with Christ because He's resurrected and He's God and He's the Son of God and He's eternal. And God is love. I want to be with Him. You're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. And everything that the Lord has for us is good. He, he's got things in the future for us. He did bring the Israelites out, didn't He? I mean, we know the rest of the story. At the time He's speaking to Moses, it hadn't happened yet. It seemed impossible. And Moses is wondering, how is God going to do it? We don't have a military. We don't have anything. We're slaves and we're under their control and we don't have time to even organize or do anything how could it possibly be he's probably thinking and yet God did it he brought them out 
Our God is able. He brought them out, and he, He's a deliverer, and nobody can stop Him. Nobody can stop Him. Nobody can, can thwart or hinder His plans or purposes from being fulfilled. Nobody. If nobody, I say it all the time, if nobody on this whole planet believed in God or was a true believer in Jehovah and in Jesus Christ, He still is going to fulfill everything's going to happen just like it says in the Bible. Thank the Lord that we do know Him. There are believers. But He's going to accomplish it. The Bible says, the Lord says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. Thinks of peace and not thoughts of peace and not evil to bring you an expected end. So there's an end. There's a hope for it. That's what the word expected means. You would long for it. You would expect it. You would hope for it. That's what I'm thinking for your life. That's what he thought for Israel. And that's what he thinks for the believer. And purpose was for the believer that's in Jesus. In Christ. Okay? And that is every believer that's in Christ. I just want to read this. You don't have to turn there. If you're taking notes, I'm reading from Joshua 21, 43-45. And the Lord gave unto Israel all the land which He sware to give unto their fathers. Now this is after they went into the promised land. Okay? And now Joshua's getting old. He's about to go be with the Lord. And it says, The Lord gave unto Israel all the land which He sware to give unto their fathers. And they possessed it and dwelt therein. And the Lord gave them rest round about, according to all that He sware unto their fathers. And there stood not a man of all their enemies before them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. There failed not aught of any good thing which the Lord has spoken unto the house of Israel. All came to pass. Is that not amazing? Every single thing. How many times do you say all? You know, all came to pass. They possessed all the land. None of their enemies could stand before Him. It all came to pass like God said. You'll never find anything that thus saith the Lord that doesn't come to pass. It might not have come to pass yet, but it, that means it's going to come, pass and come to pass. And you and I could set up shop right there. We could plant our stakes right there and build our house on that foundation of the rock who is Jesus Christ and His Word. It might not have come to pass yet, but it's going to come to pass. Because God has spoken it. And nothing will alter the word, he says, that comes out of his mouth. He even says he'll watch over his word to perform it. He's watching over it. None of the word goes carelessly out of his mouth. I've said a lot of things carelessly and forgotten more things than I've ever remembered that I've spoken. But God says it, and he watches over his word. Okay? And it's going to come to pass. He's a savior to the uttermost. Now, I'll talk about this just very quickly. Israel is a physical people. Doesn't mean they can't be born again, have relations with God, and, and so forth. I'm just talking about the nation of Israel, right? They're physical people, they have their own language, they have their own lineage, it traces back to Abraham, they have a physical land with borders and rivers and mountains and so forth. That's what I mean by that. And a lot of the, the dealings with God were on a physical uh, terms, all right? In other words, they faced real enemies, the Amalekites, for example. Remember when, when Aaron and Hur sat Moses on the rock and when they held up his hands? Israel prevailed. That was a real battle against real soldiers with swords and bows and arrows and that kind of thing. And uh, Samuel later, all the years later, Amalekites, you know, the Lord wants to deal with the Amalekites. And Saul refuses and rebels against the command of the Lord. And Samuel, the priest, has to actually take a sword and, and chop up the king of the Amalekites because uh, Saul spared him. You know, these were physical things. Those are real people, real swords, and is my point. And God is the God of Israel. He still has a wonderful plan to redeem Israel. He's not through with Israel. 
surviving Israel at the end of the tribulation at the second coming of the Lord is going to be saved. They're going to look upon him whom they pierce. They're going to mourn for them, him as someone mourns for their only child that had been lost. And a nation will be born in a day. So God's not through with Israel. I don't believe at all that the Bible teaches this replacement theology that the church is, is replaced Israel and all the promises of Israel are now for the church. I don't believe that. That's unscriptural. And that God, nor do I believe that God is through with Israel. He said he's chosen that land is his forever. David is uh, Jesus Christ is, is going to rule on the throne of David in Jerusalem forever. And Jerusalem will be in its place, the Bible says, even in Jerusalem. It's going to be where it is and where it's supposed to be. So having said that, but God has also given Israel as a spiritual example. Right? The Word of God tells us that. I want to just read this. A wonderful scripture. 1 Corinthians 10, 11. Now all these things happen unto them. Paul's saying about Israel. If you're reading in context. Now all these things happen unto them for examples. And they are written for who? For our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. I've heard people say, and I've heard it recently, that the Old Testament is not, no relevance to the life of the New Testament believer except where it directly speaks about Jesus. And I disagree with that. I totally disagree. It's God's Word. God changes not. I know I'm part of the New Covenant. I know I'm not under the Old Covenant law. I never was. Okay? I understand that. And I'm not trying to go back unto it, unto it or be a Jew or be an Old Testament saint. Uh, I understand that very clearly. But God's Word, even that right there, says that all these things happen in Israel for an example for us. So I need to read about all these things that happen to Israel. I know there are physical dealings, right? They were in wilderness and so forth. We read about that, but they're written for our admonition, the New Testament believer, upon whom the ends of the world are come. That means I need to lay hold on it. It doesn't say, well, just the parts that are prophetical about Jesus' first coming is what you need to deal with. So you know that that's not true. You understand that, but you might have heard that before. And I just encourage you, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. How many times do we say that? All Scripture is all Scripture. That means from Genesis 1-1 to the end of Revelation. That's what it means. And so, having said that, there are spiritual lessons and truths that are taught through physical Israel, through God's dealings with Israel, how His provision for them, His faithfulness, His chastisement at times, His blessings, uh, His mercy, His love, His keeping power. And, and God did not only bring them out of Egypt. In the two passages we opened with in Exodus and Deuteronomy, He said very clearly, He did bring them out of Egypt and out of bondage, but He says, I want to bring you into a good land. Right? Into a good land. He did not only bring them out of cruel bondage and slavery, His purpose was to bring His people into the pleasant land that He had for them. They knew nothing about it until He told them. Okay? But he already had it staked out for him. It was God's plan for them. And his plan was to bring them all the way in. Now that entire older generation, you know the, you know the story, that came out uh, at, the, at the first Passover, and all the firstborn of Egypt died, and the Israelites came out that night in, in such a mighty way. All that older adult generation, because of their unbelief, died in the wilderness. They did not possess. They came out of Egypt, but they didn't possess the promised land, right? They did come out of Egypt. And they wandered. 
And it says they all died in unbelief, and they had an evil heart of unbelief. And they died in the wilderness, and their carcasses says they fell in the wilderness. Carcasses. You know, I just think of an animal carcass. You know, but that's what the Bible is, the way it speaks to them. Because they were in, in such unbelief. And, uh, but even in the wilderness, God cared for them, didn't He? Wasn't there manna every single day from heaven? They didn't plant or water or farm or do anything. Every single day, they wake up and there was enough to eat. Enough for every... Wouldn't it be something? They just woke up and there was enough to eat. Just gather what you need. Every day, even to this unbelieving generation that died in the wilderness, while they were in the wilderness, He loved them, cared for them. There was a water... The water that came from the rock that was enough for all the people and all the animals. And it says in the New Testament that this rock was Christ. It followed them. I don't know if a rock actually moved around with them or everywhere they went there was a rock where, where Moses would hit with the staff and the water would come out. But either way, that rock was Christ. He's the living water. That's a picture, right? And they were all survived because they had water for their cattle and so forth. And their shoes didn't wear out. How quick do your Nike tennis shoes wear out? You know, if you wear them every day to play basketball or whatever, they don't last long. Their shoes didn't wear out for 40 years. That's what the Bible says. Their clothes didn't get holes in them and wear out. And the few times they did face militaries and countries that wanted to destroy them, God gave them the victory and they won. Amen. They weren't even an army with, with trained soldiers or weapons. It's an amazing thing. But they died, the Bible says, in the wilderness. Now I want to talk about the wilderness for just a moment. The wilderness was some place that was an in-between place, right? I mean, just picture it in your mind. Let's say Egypt's this room over here. There's, there's slavery there. And then we've got this little part here of this brick floor. Let's say it's the wilderness, and, and the room out there, that'll be the promised land in there. That's where all the food's going to be, so that'll be our promised land. But it's an in-between place, the wilderness right here. Let's say in this room where we are. That, that's a place that's in-between Egypt and the promised land. It's in between a life of bondage and a life of freedom and joy, a pleasant land. It's in between uh, what their enemy had for them and their enemy dominating over their lives and controlling them. It was cruel and harsh. And, and in between that and what God had for them to give them rest, physical rest, a spiritual rest. They wouldn't be worried about being attacked. They could have their own vineyards and stuff and just enjoy it and worship God. And so... It's an in-between place that God never... Listen, y'all, this is our message today. God never intended for them to stay in. Amen. He knew what was going to happen because He knows all things. But His purpose was, He said it, stated very clearly, and it was in other passages as well, I'm bringing you out to bring you in. I'm bringing you out of this slavery, cruel bondage. He calls it like an iron furnace. It's one way He described what Israel was in there. And I want to bring you into a pleasant land. He never intended for the people to stay in the wilderness. And He never intended for His people to live and die in the wilderness. Okay? They, they couldn't enter in, the Bible says, because of evil, uh, evil heart of unbelief. And then the Bible tells us, again, remember this is written for our admonition? New Testament says, uh, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart in departing from the living God. But exhort one another today while it's called today. And, and, and that we wouldn't be deceived with the deceitfulness of sin and so forth. Uh, so it often we can see the correlation between Israel and the life of a believer. We're not Israel, okay? 
but we can see the correlation and the examples that God's given us. There can be a man or woman. It happens. It happened in my life for a long period. I pray it's not happening now. But where, where a believer truly gets saved, by faith they give their life to Jesus Christ. They're saved by grace through faith. They really are born again. Okay? But that believer fails to enter into the promised land. So correlated to this, they did come out of Egypt, the believer now. Talking about a Christian. They failed, but they failed to enter into all, and that's a key word there, all that the Lord intends for that believer to possess in Christ. Fails or is slack in possessing their possession. Israelites were the same way. Remember, if, if you read Joshua, you'll see uh, Joshua say, look, I'm getting old, and there's still a lot of land y'all haven't possessed yet. Get yourself together and go take it. God's already said He's going to give it to you, but you've got to go take it. Go take it. And uh, a believer can be a Christian who's definitely been brought out of the cruel bondage of sin by the blood of Jesus, by faith. They believe the gospel. They're born again. Okay? They've been brought out of that iron furnace of sin and out of a wasted life and a ruined life and they're no longer a child of wrath anymore. So they're out of there. Alright? But yet not fully into what God has for them. They pass from death to life, but they're not in to the full possession of what we have in Jesus. And I think it's important that we know what the Lord has for us in Christ. They've been lifted out of the miry clay and out of the horrible pit, made new in Christ, and yet not pursuing after the Lord with all of their hearts. Do you know what I'm talking about? And I'm not asking them to shake, shake your head and say, that's me. You know in your heart if it's you, and I know in my heart if it's me. You've come out. You've trusted Jesus. Somebody doesn't need to preach the gospel to you again. You believe it more than your mind. You believe it in your heart. And you've given your life to Jesus. That's a fact. And we're out of there. And we are in Christ. But we're failing, in a sense, to still uh, to love the Lord, for example, with all of our heart, soul, and mind. To possess all that the Lord has for us by faith. We've kind of stalled out in this wilderness place. In between... Egypt and the sin okay, that we're in and all that Jesus has for us. We're in some kind of in-between place. You know what I'm talking about? God does not purpose for anyone to stay there. That's not on His radar. He knows it's there, but it's not in His heart or in His purpose. His purpose is out of there and into there. Okay? And He was leading them, the Israelites through the wilderness and He'll lead us into all that He has for us in Christ. But... Uh, it's very possible for a person to be saved and yet not seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Not seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. I'm talking about somebody that really is saved and they know and the Lord knows that they're really saved. Okay, But uh, it, it's possible to, to fail to possess all the good land and all that the Lord has for us to walk in. He wants us to walk in that inheritance day by day. He wants us to possess it and to walk in it. That that be our norm. The air that we breathe, the environment that's around us would be the fullness of all that there is in Jesus. It doesn't mean we're perfected. The Bible says when we see Him, we'll be like Him. We, we're raptured, we'll go to heaven. When we die, this earthly life is over. That final change will take place. Until then, we're being made like Jesus. But still, there is a fullness in this life as a believer, still with my feet planted on this ground, that God intends for me to walk in. And He intends for every believer to walk in. And 
I'll just read this from, uh, from Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. They're heavenly places, but they're in Christ. And so it's not just when we get to heaven. He's blessed us, past tense Paul was saying, with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. There's a good portion of our inheritance. Most of it, I would say, is still in heaven. But there's a good portion just in Christ that He has for us as children of God, as partakers of His divine nature, and so forth that He has for us now. That He wants us to live like the head and not the tail. He wants us to be salt and light. He says we're more than conquerors than Him that loves us. That uh, He wants there, that to be evident that we're born of God and our life is not the same as the dead sinful lives around us. And it's not the same as my life used to be before I came to know Christ. I believe many true Christians, <clears throat> okay, true believers, far too often wander in a spiritual witness. It's the heart of the... Uh, it's wander in spiritual wilderness. And uh, this is the heart of the message today. Far too many Christians still wander in a spiritual wilderness. And I did. I've shared my testimony so many times, but I want to be thankful for what the Lord did for me when I prayed to give my life to Jesus as it uh, ended my junior year in high school. <clears throat> and I believed it, and I meant it, and I went down an aisle, and I knelt down and prayed, and I believed everything I prayed. I believed the gospel message that the pastor preached, and I believe I was saved that day. But I did not follow that up and, and go on and possess this new Christian life. I didn't really lay hold on it, like the Bible says, lay hold on eternal life, or work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I do now, but for my senior year in high school and about four, I was in the, on the four and a half year plan, uh, four and a half years at LSU, um, I did not. I lived a very carnal life and to all intents and purposes to the people around me, other than thinking that Randy's a really nice guy and helpful and so forth, they would not have seen the Lord in my life. I don't believe they would have. There was nothing notable Christian character about my life. But I knew in my heart I was under great conviction of the Lord. His hand was heavy upon me. Okay, Because I was in this wilderness. He did bring me out of that. And I kind of went back into some of those things as well. But I know that He brought me out and forgave me and made me His own. But I was not there. I was not in the promised land. I was in an in-between place in a wilderness. And it's a spiritual a wasteland that God really does not intend for men to live in. It's an in-between place, not entering into the fullness of the Lord. Amen. And all the good land that the, ha the good land that the Lord has for me and for every believer that's in Jesus. All right. And so, uh, why do men fail to do that? Why? And I'm not accusing you. And I'm not saying you're doing that. Okay. I'm saying I know it's possible, and I know far too often that can be the testimony of believers. They are saved. They don't need to be saved again. But they're not walking in the fullness. There's much land yet to possess in Jesus that I have not possessed yet. I think that's a testimony for a lot of people. And that's not just a person that's totally surrendered to the Lord and growing and they have a long way to go. It's people that have stopped maybe pursuing the Lord with all of their heart. If they were honest, they're really not pursuing the Lord with all of their heart. And they just found this little happy medium place. They're not in a river of life. They're more like in a stagnant pond, just floating. 
when an inner tube is a lot more fun when they've got some current pushing you a certain way or a boat pulling you as opposed to sitting in the middle of a pond not moving, okay? And a lot of times Christians can be that way and there's different reasons. It could be out of ignorance, spiritual ignorance. In other words, they don't, they don't know all the promises of God in Christ Jesus for their life. Now, they're responsible for that as well. They don't need to be ignorant, and they shouldn't be ignorant, because if they pick up the Word of God, they would know. All right? But I'm simply saying, a lot of times I think people are, are ignorant. So listen to this. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God. This is every believer, that we might know the things that are freely given us of God. The Lord wants us by His Holy Spirit to know the things, what? That are freely given us of God. As every born-again person that just got saved on the street somewhere and somebody prayed with them or in a church this morning, there are things that are freely given us of God that are that believers, that are His possession in Christ Jesus. And He wants us to know what those things are. And by the Holy Spirit, He shows us, but the Holy Spirit also directs us to the Word of God. And so we open up the Bible and we begin to see the promises of the Lord that He gives us. And so sometimes people are in a wilderness land spiritually as believers because they fail to know what God has for them. And I would think it's, it's so, un, so sad, honestly, and unnecessary for a Christian, true believer, to live in fear or bound up in some type of stronghold in their life or some spiritual, uh, you know, whether spiritually anemic or weak, or joylessness when, when they could, as believers, experience all that God has for them. Day to day. Day to day. Day by day. There's a power. There's a joy. There's a peace that God wants us to have. Amen? Now listen. Salvation, we know the Word of God says that salvation is in a moment. In other words, so soon as somebody believes and prays and confesses with their mouth, believes in their heart, the Lord Jesus, they pass from death to life. That's in a moment. It doesn't have to be repeated. They're born again. But our walk with God is ongoing. I mean, by very definition, it's a walk. We're on a journey. We're running a race that's set before us. And that's ongoing. And so we, we're to walk in the fullness of all that the Lord has for us. It's a progress. And our, our spiritual journey with the Lord ought to be characterized by making real progress in Jesus. You ought to be able to look, or somebody, an objective observer that knows the Lord as a spiritual minded person, ought to be able to look at Damien's life and say, I knew you 10 years ago in the church and in the Lord, and I know you now, and I can see a lot of what God's done in your life. I won't see it all. He probably won't see it all. But we ought to be able to testify, this is what, I'm walking with the Lord. You know, I used to get angry every day at work, so mad that I had to leave the room or I would, whatever, lose my temper with my co-workers or whatever. And I gave that to the Lord. Over time, the Lord gave me a real picture over that. See, well, we all have testimonies like that. Not just lost to save, but saved and growing in Jesus and moving on with the Lord. The Bible says, as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also, as believers, should walk in newness of life. There's a walk there. And, and we walk in it. And Paul says, not that as, I've already, as though I've already apprehended I'm not already walking in everything, but he says, I'm pressing towards the mark, right? For the pride of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It's out there for me. 
and I'm reaching for it. And, and there was a real purposeful plan. I'm reading, he was already saved. Paul, what's the big deal? If you died, you're going to heaven. You're born again. Your sins are forgiven. Your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You're going to spend eternity with God in heaven. It's going to be wonderful. What are you doing? I'm pressing towards the mark. Why? Because I want to apprehend that which I'm apprehended of in Christ Jesus. I'm in a walk. I'm in a journey. And I want to make spiritual progress. I know this Savior, but I want to know Him more in every way. There's much more He needs to do in my life. Let me ask you this. Are you bearing all the fruit or am I? Every one of these is for me as well. Are, are we bearing all the fruit that God has for us? Because He said that, that, uh, that we abide in Christ and His words abide in us. We're going to bear much fruit, right? And He said some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100. Here it is, my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. And so it glorifies the Lord. Are you walking in all the peace that God has for you? I mean, be real honest. If He says He gives peace that passes the world's understanding, am I walking in that, what I say typically or normally? Would it be that normal? Or do I find myself worrying, you know, anxiety, stressing? It's not helping anything. It's not changing any situation for the better. And just listen to this scripture. Paul says in Philippians 2 9, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. He's telling us that. But I need to, first of all, know that's a promise of God for me as a believer. And then I need to walk in that. Paul said, what you've seen and heard in me do, and the peace of God is going to be with you. And so there's a fullness of joy that I have not yet walked in. There's a, a testimony or soul winning or, or service to the Lord giving that can be more. There's much more. And I don't want to walk, wander in a spiritual uh, wilderness. I don't want to wander around and spend a bulk of my life or really any of my life wandering around in less than what God has for me. That's all I'm saying this morning. And it's possible. I'll give an example, another example. Uh, a believer that's saved and not uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit, or they're not growing in grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And, uh, there's just different areas. I'm not saying that they're not saved. I'm saying they're not walking in the fullness of His power, or the fullness of His joy, or the fullness of His peace. And God, I believe it frustrates the Lord. I don't think He was happy with them wandering around the wilderness for 40 years. That was their their sentence, so to speak, because of unbelief. They could not enter in because of unbelief. But well, don't you think he would have much rather have just brought them right on in, faced some trials and tribulations on the way, he taught them some lessons, and he brought them all the way in. Here's the land. Now you got the walls of Jericho need to fall flat. All, all of it was fulfilled in Joshua's day. But far too often I think people spend time wandering in a, in a wilderness. They're saved, but not walking in the fullness of of all that the Lord has for us. And God intends for us to walk in all He has for us. Amen? Why would I want to, and I'm going to bring this to a close, but why would I want to settle for less? You know, if you're watching a TV commercial, they say, why settle for less, right? You can have all this, right? Why would I, in the Lord, want to settle for less than what Jesus Christ has for me, and it is rightfully mine as a believer. I'm joint heirs with Jesus, that we might know all the things that are freely given to us of God in Christ. Why would I want to come up short, so to speak, of 
of the standard or the fullness of all that the Lord has for me. There's a pleasant land, and why would I want to stop right here? Let's say I can see it right there, just just right over the hill. It's there, and I just kind of wear out or whatever. They say it's so bad right here, and I just set up right here. And he said, no, 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 this is nothing. Wait till you see the promised land. Remember what I told you? It's a land flowing with milk and honey. You need to go there. This is where I have the power to bring you in. Just trust me. And we pull up short somewhere and we just say, this ain't so bad. I'm not a drug addict anymore. I'm not a, just think about Egypt, right? I'm not a this anymore. I'm not a that anymore. And it's true. We're not. Praise God. We need to remember that. Be thankful. But we also need to remember He wants to bring me into that. There's a whole lot more fruit I can produce in my life. There's a whole lot more joy I can have. There's a whole lot more spiritual understanding I can have of God and His Word. There's a whole lot more effectiveness I can have in my personal testimony and witnessing of people. There's a whole lot more. You see what the giving and just the different things that we can do. And why would I want to dwell in a wilderness which is not slavery anymore, but it's also not the fullness of all that the Lord has for us. Bible says that the Holy Ghost is our comforter. There's a consolation He gives. Are you experiencing that? Do you experience it normally? The comfort and the consolation of the Holy Spirit? Are we thankful people? Will that typify our life? That Jenny is thankful. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes you think, well, sometimes not. Would it be the norm of her life, pretty much day in and day out, that she's thankful? Because that is a godly characteristic. That to me is part of the promised land. That's part of the fruit of that. This world's not thankful. You give them something they wish they should complain. I'll never forget we were in uh, Honduras on a mission trip years ago, and we, we were the trip was over, and we had a, a four or five hours to kill before we caught our plane. So we went to some little flea market. Everybody wanted to buy their cheap little souvenir to bring home, you know. And there was a Honduran man there, obviously homeless. He comes and asks us for some food. And, uh, you know, no, he asked us for some money. He was asking for some money. He knew we were American, looked like tourists or whatever. And he's asking for some money. Well, we sit down and, and we had probably spent all of our money because we gave an offering right before we left to our host mission, okay? And we probably, all of us, had just enough to get back home. And so we didn't really have money <clears throat> to give him, but all of us were scrounging through our backpacks and everything to, to give him some food, you know, Snickers bars or, or granola bars or whatever we had, a jar of peanut butter, something that we brought on the mission trip. He cursed us out and threw that stuff down the ground. He spoke very good English when it came to that. You know, <laughs> and he cursed us out and says, I don't want this stuff. And, you know, I want some hot food. I want some beans and I want some this. And uh, we were just trying to share the Lord with him. But to, to be grateful and to be thankful, the world is not that. And I was not before I knew the Lord. But if that, if I'm a thankful person, it's because God worked that in my life. That to me is part of the promised land as well. I'm just giving some examples that I could be in a spiritual wilderness where I'm no longer that, but I'm not that either. Not fully that. I'm His child. Don't get me wrong. I'm talking about saved people. But God wants us to walk in that. Why would I want to walk in a transitional in-between place that God does not have for us. It's going to come down to y'all a seeking first. And I'm bringing this to a close. His kingdom and His righteousness. First means first. It doesn't just say seek God's kingdom and His righteousness. It's not what it says. It says seek you first. 
We've got people that are in school about to graduate. We've got people that are about to get married. We've got people in all walks of life. Those are milestone events in your life. But God is God always. Seek first the Lord and His kingdom always. Always. About to get married, just got married. About to have a child, just had a child. About to graduate, get a good job, or just happen. God is God. Seek Him all the time. You're going to have these in life. You're going to have ups and downs. You're going to have great disappointments in life. You're going to have great, wonderful things that God does and blessings in your life as well. Seek first His kingdom and righteousness. He wants to get you out of that wilderness and put you in to the promised land. Uh, Paul says, Oh, the depths and riches both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. What is he saying? He's awesome. The Lord. Oh, the depths and riches. A lot of people don't know that. They know He brought me out of sin. I thank God I was on the streets and I was this and I was that. Now, I used to be a prostitute. I used to be a this. And God helped me. And He brought me out. They really are saved. They really belong to the Lord. They love God. But they don't know the riches of His death. The unsearchable riches uh, that, that's there for them to be had in Jesus. And the Bible says, it is, Jesus said to His disciples, It's the fear not, little flock. It's, our, it's your Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. His good pleasure. You don't have to beg Him for it. Just keep your eyes on Jesus and walk with Him. Guess what? He'll bring you right into it. He'll bring you right into it. Um, the good land has already been won for us or provided for us in Jesus. He's not asking you to go find it somewhere or earn it somewhere. He's given it to us in Jesus. we will read two more scriptures and I'm going to close. If you want to turn there, I'm going to read it from Deuteronomy 6, chapter 10. Think about this and correlate this to your life as a believer. Now, he's talking to a quick description of the promised land. It shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought you into the land which he swore unto thy fathers. They weren't there yet. To Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. To give thee great and goodly cities. Listen about listen to how he describes it. I'm going to give you, I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to give you great and goodly cities which you didn't build. Everything pretty much we have you either built it or you worked hard to pay for it. Somebody built it for you, right? And he said, you're gonna, I'm going to give you cities that already built with walls and houses that you didn't even have to build. And houses full of all good things which you didn't fill up with good things. You'd have to work for it and do it. It's going to be there waiting for you. And wells that are dead. They don't have water bubbling up out of the ground. And it's amazing. Which you dig not vineyards and olive trees which you planted not. And I'm just going to stop there. But the point is that we don't earn what the Lord has for us. He's saying, I want you to fully possess what I have for you in Christ. You're born again. This is rightfully yours. It glorifies me when you walk in it. I'm not being arrogant and say, give me this, give me that, God. We want Jesus. But in Christ is the fullness of joy. And in Christ is all that the Lord has for us. And I don't want to spend my life, nor do I want you to spend our, any part of our lives as Christians wandering around, coming short of what God has for us. Amen? Okay. He brought us out that He might bring us in. And I'm going to close with this Scripture. Indeed, you can come if you would. Now, this is the end of Joshua's life. We read about it before in Deuteronomy, before they went to the Promised Land, okay? thought it would be appropriate to close with this Scripture after they possess the land, 
and it's similar to one we read before, and that Joshua's about to be with the Lord. He says, Behold, this day I'm going the way of all the earth. And you know in all your hearts and all your souls that not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. All are come to pass unto you, and not one thing hath failed thereof. And the, to people whose carcasses died in unbelief in the wilderness, they didn't, they didn't experience that. Okay? And we as believers in Christ, we're not going to have to... We don't, you know, we're, we've been brought out of that bondage, but I'm simply saying God is faithful in all that He has promised for us. He wants us to possess. He wants you to walk in it. He wants you to have a strength and a power spiritually that greater than what you have now, greater than what you walked in before. He wants you to be able to put your head in the pillow at night and sleep because it's a real peace that God gives. And I really can't sleep tonight. Circumstances haven't even changed. There's still troubling circumstances that have a peace of God that passes this world's understanding. Come back and talk about that there's no, you know, vineyard, but the, the grapes aren't blooming in the vineyard. There's no horses in the stalls and cattle in the stalls. There's no crops in the field. And he said, yet yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rejoice in the Lord. I'm going to be thankful. You don't, you're not born knowing that. You born again in Christ and you walk with the Lord and He teaches you that. Paul said, I've learned to be content. Amen? I just want you to stand with me this morning. If you remember one thing from this morning, if I remember one thing from this morning, I want you to know that God brought us out that He might bring us in. He brought us out of cruel bondage to slavery that He might bring us into the fullness of of this life in Jesus. And if you're somewhere in a wilderness land, wandering around, it's just not going to get better because you think it will. Ask God to help you. Ask Him to show you where you are. Or maybe you know right where you are. Maybe you're in some type of compromise. Maybe you've been lazy spiritually. You're putting all your effort and energy into worldly things that aren't sinful, but you're giving God your second best or third best the end of the day. And God wants us to, to seek Him first. Amen? He wants us to possess all that. It glorifies Him. And I promise you, it's the most joyful you'll ever be. Not only does it glorify God, it makes Him, uh, it pleases Him that you're walking in the fullness of what He has for you. So Father, we just come before You right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord God, I thank You that You've given us Israel well, we have a whole history of Israel right before us in the Bible, Exodus and, and so forth, that we can read about how you brought them out of a very definite, cruel bondage of slavery. And you said, I'm going to bring you into a pleasant land, a wealthy land, a best land that you didn't even work for. It's all prepared for you. And Lord, so many of them died in the wilderness and you brought them out, but, but they, because of unbelief, didn't enter in. And Lord, we've been brought out by faith in Jesus it's not an exact correlation, but it's similar, God. We've been saved by grace through faith. And, and Lord, there might be here, those here today that are wandering in a spiritual wilderness and you're saying, get out. That's not where I want you to be. Come on. Quit messing around and give your resign fully to me and, and surrender all to me. And come on. And seek me with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love me with all your heart, soul, and mind. 
I'll help you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll give you the power to do it. I'll instruct you by my word. But come on, you're not into all I have for you. And I just want to encourage you as Dee plays and sings that you would pray. Uh, we're going to have a fellowship today and, and hang out. But Lord, right now, y'all, this is our time to lay hold on the Lord. Even if it's just for a few minutes or if you want to keep praying when the rest of us are done, you come up in this little side room here and pray and seek the Lord. Ask God to get you out and confess it. Lord, I have, because of unbelief or spiritual laziness, or ignorance or not studying my Bible or compromise because of my friends or for worldly pursuits. God, I have not walked in the fullness of Jesus Christ. And I ask you to forgive me. I don't even feel like it, but I believe it by faith. I ask you to forgive me and I ask you to bring me out of this wilderness and bring me on into the fullness of all that you have purposed for me to have in your son Jesus ask you to do it, Lord. And this church would walk in that fullness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.